0: Episode 11, Links to Past, today on...
1: Press B to Cancel
0: Welcome, thank you for listening to Press B to Cancel. I'm your host this week, Sick Jake. Today we're going to talk about my favorite Zelda game, well, well, maybe second favorite Zelda game. Anyway, I'm not here by myself, I'm joined by my fellow friends and co-hosts, starting with Pulch. Pulch, how are you today? Dude, this is starting to sound like your last
2: time you had this. It's like almost word for word. Are you using the same intro? No. I like I'm it. mad hawking.
0: <laughs> honestly, to be, to be honest with you, I kind of slacked off on the research, and I just did it in the last 30 minutes, so cross my fingers. Do you want to keep
2: this in the episode? I kind of yep. do.
0: <laughs> sure. Whatever. There was research. Research?
2: What? Research? Okay. Hi, I'm Paul 109 Great to see you. Who needs research when you know what you're doing?
0: Speaking <laughs> of not knowing what we're doing, I'm also joined by Werewolf. How are you doing? What? Wait, that was unintentional burn. <laughs> Shit.
1: <laughs> what? What? Howdy. I'm Werewolf. Sorry, Werewolf.
0: <laughs> what are we doing? And to bring us back to sanity for the therapy coach, GP, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. It's good to be here. That was more normal than I was expecting. That's great. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed.
3: <laughs> I had some really good dick and fart jokes, but I decided to try to bring us back to sanity.
0: So. <laughs> Mission accomplished. All right. We're going to talk about Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. But before we kind of dive into it, I do want to kind of hear from everybody. What's your experience with the Zelda as a franchise? Just briefly, because we could talk for hours about this. Uh, just your favorite, maybe favorite game from the series and, and what you like about the series. Or if you, you're like me and you disagree with everything everybody says and you hate it, that's cool too. Uh, Wolf, you want to start?
1: Yeah, I, uh, gosh, i I would have to say that I used to split my favorites up between 2D and 3D entries. Whereas, you know, my favorite 2D game was Link to the Past and my favorite 3D game was Wind Waker for a very long time up until I played uh, Breath of the Wild. And then that one kind of supplanted it. And I think it's safe to say now that overall experience, like for a proper Zelda experience, I think Breath of the Wild is my favorite. But Link to the Past is still much more playable.
0: Yeah, I think Breath of the Wild was great for the the innovation, right? Taking the series in a drastically new direction. And I really love it, too. I'm almost thinking now that for me in the future, assuming they keep making games like Breath of the Wild, I'm going to have to split it into three. Like classic 2D Zeldas, your old school 3D Zeldas, and then whatever the hell they're doing with Breath of the Wild now going forward. Because I find the game so drastically different from the rest of the series.
1: Everybody says that, but to me it just seems like it Took the 3D gameplay and shoved the NES format into it. You know, the original NES Zelda. Just have at the world.
0: Good luck. Actually, that's true. It does have that that elements. And there's just my for me. It's the lack of items. I think is what kind of made it different for me. And just the gameplay being so reliant on the physics. It's a great game. I I love that one.
1: Yeah, it, it was a very different entry. It was a lot more limited. There wasn't 40 different items to obtain in the game. It was simpler in a lot of ways but also a lot more complex overall.
0: Yeah, definitely a solid title. All right, GP, how about yourself? What's your exposure to Zelda?
3: Uh I personally I love Zelda too. Uh The Adventure of Link, not pluralized. It's The Adventure of Link. And
0: Was he not allowed more than one?
3: No, it was just a single solitary adventure.
2: One is all you need. <clears throat>
3: Sometimes so, <laughs>
2: That's true. I do
1: you think most people refer to that as Adventures of Link? Uh, but no, I, I grew
3: up playing, trying to figure out the first Zelda, couldn't do it, and then the internet happened. Before everybody had a computer in their home, I lived next door to the library, uh, and so I would walk over to the library, spend an hour downloading maps for Zelda 2, and fell in love with that game at that point in my life. So, that one's got a very special place in my heart. I appreciate the newer ones. Breath of the Wild is gorgeous. But it is one of those rare games where I prefer to watch other people play it as opposed to playing it myself. But I love it. Also, Ocarina.
0: <laughs> Actually, that's interesting. <laughs> make up your mind. There's just so many Zeldas. I love how you mentioned Zelda 2 is your favorite, though, because that's also kind of a, a, how do you say, outlier from the series, right? I mean, we've talked before about sequels being so different from the originals. But that side-scrolling Link game is just quite a bit different than the rest of the franchise that's pretty interesting yeah
3: i love it but i and one of one of my favorite things though real quick about the franchise as a whole is the music and how really the music is one of the most cohesive things to tie together all of the entries i'm sure we'll get to that later on but you asked about what our experience is and that's that's my my two cents paul shabou you
0: what's your what's your uh fascination with zelda
2: my uh my favorite—I'm not a big like Zelda fan. You monster! Like I'm a freak. I'm a freak. Yeah, and just to prove it, my favorite game is actually uh, in the series. In the whole franchise, is actually. Uh, yeah, that's the I mean, one. <laughs> Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link.
3: we are now almost the majority good job paul thank you
2: yeah and i and i'm not doing it just to make this cheeky against jake but no that's it's literally my favorite zelda game like the rest of them don't compare to me i I don't know and i understand why people often like rant and say they don't like it but i've never actually heard someone flat out say they don't like it except for a couple of friends that i make fun of for their choices anyway so Uh, (laughs) it doesn't matter uh everybody whenever i was like playing it or something on stream or you know talking in another stream basically because this you know how i connected with people over games like this it was always dude this is my favorite zelda i'm like holy crap me too so (laughs) it's it's weird how it's the least favorite but at the same time everybody i know it seems to be one of their favorites
3: it's it's kind of it's that song that comes on the radio where nobody wants to be like, oh, I love this song, so you all just sit there and listen to it and silently jam out? Nobody will change the radio station? Because you would think for a wild, uh, widely not-liked game, everybody shows up when you stream it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's true.
1: See, I think think it was a really solid game. People give it a lot of crap. As a Zelda title, based on the other Zelda titles, yeah, it's a little weird, but... As a game, it's really solid, and I think the only issues I have with it personally are probably due to translation problems. There's, I am error. Well, no, not even, not even as simple as that. Like, <laughs> There's a point where you have to like duck and stab at a table to get into a, a basement in one of the houses.
2: That's how it's done in real life. So
1: nobody in the game tells you that. And I'm sure in the Japanese version, there was probably dialogue somewhere that gave you the clue.
2: Yeah, the closest you get is like, look under the table or someone says something about table, but it has no indication on, you know,
0: which table, which room,
2: The you know, duck and duck and smack it.
1: Yeah, so it's it's really vague and cryptic about the few issues I have about it because it doesn't teach you these things. It barely even tells you about those things. And that's a problem. But otherwise, it's a really, really good game. And I think that's just a translation issue, not a gameplay issue.
0: Well, I mean, if you look at if I were to be locked in a room, Sick Jig, what do you think? <laughs> Thanks, GP. As you guys were okay, gushing about, this. you know, Zelda two being so fantastic, I was gonna just say that I know it gets a lot of hate. And Wolfs right, and you know, if I was locked in a room with Mega Man one and Castlevania and other hot garbage along with Zelda two, I'd probably play Zelda two as well. Take it back. <laughs> it's I, I'm only joking. It's not a bad <laughs> game. I actually I actually do like it a lot. Uh, for me personally, with Zelda, I, I've been a fan. For every, every game. The only games I haven't played are the the, the crap ones on uh, CDI, like a lot of people. Uh, but I mean, I played the original, original NES Zelda on a black and white TV <laughs> when I used to visit my cousin. That was a TV in his room. We used to play Zelda for hours. I loved the hell of that game. And it wasn't until I was a teenager when I got a SNES. I got a SNES late. And uh, my dad, when I used to visit my dad, he used to have Zelda and just... He'd want to go play catch outside. He'd want to go to the movies. I'd be like, no, no, I'm not talking to you, Dad. You're not cool. I'm just here to play Zelda. I don't love you. I just love Zelda. <laughs> no. But anyway, I, I love Links of the Past. Uh, it's, I mean, we're talking about this, and we're talking about Zelda and Link of the Past for this episode, but it's funny, as we're recording this, Link's Awakening remake came out, I think, last week or so, and it's playing that again is reminding me that Link's Awakening is probably my favorite from the series. <laughs> Which is funny, but it's mo- it's mostly because it's a spinoff of Link to the Past. Like it's very much in that same vein, just expanded and better, right? And but it's the same idea. Just something about Link to the Past, the story and the items and how it carries Link's Awakening. Both are fantastic. I love Breath of the Wild too, but as I said earlier, I almost I almost think of that as a separate game. I, it's definitely Zelda, but I don't think it's like the 3D Zelda's, like Ocarina and Majora's Mask, personally.
1: Well, Link's Awakening was very much a passion project, at least for a while. It was developed after hours by people who were just screwing around with the Game Boy tech to see what they could make. And I, I, I don't quote me on this because I don't remember who it was, but I want to say it was Eiji Aonuma who actually started it all by himself, just messing with it. Either that or he was like one of the first two people, I'm pretty sure, that jumped in on it. And Then that guy was joined by someone else like, what are you doing? I'm messing with this, trying to make a Zelda game. I'm trying to recreate Link to the Past on Game Boy. And they were into it, so they started doing this. And it just eventually uh, just evolved into its own thing that pulled in elements from Zelda 2 and strayed away from Link to the Past a little bit because one of the driving ideas behind the development was the ability to have two different, like to change both buttons. You didn't always have to have a sword equipped. That was really the driving idea behind it initially. And it just blew up. Eventually it was like a dozen people working on it after hours before they finally took it upstairs and said, we want to make this an actual thing. And then they got the go ahead.
0: I see. That's actually really cool because when I was looking into Link to the Past development, there's actually some parallels there. So, I mean, I guess we'll just get right into it then. So, the Super Nintendo, I mean, it was unveiled internally at Nintendo in 1989, right? I mean, obviously, the Nintendo was a massive success. SNES had to be better. And uh, there was two game franchises they knew they had to launch very quickly with the system or close to it. And that was Mario World and then Link to the Past. So, they actually had development start on both games at the same time or approximately the same time. But from what I've been reading with an interview that Miyamoto did a number of years ago, He kind of explained that Nintendo doesn't like to throw whole teams at a game development early, but rather just a few people to start with. And then they do what you just described for Link's Awakening. They kind of just tinker around, play with it, throw around some ideas. Um, In this case, they're also evaluating the hardware. How far could they push the hardware and see what they could do with it? And after they kind of nailed down some concepts of what they thought would be good for a new Zelda game, that's when they started adding in more staff. Eventually fleshing out staff and then releasing the final game. So that experimentation is kind of like a Nintendo's mo, I think, for back then. We're all, we're all speechless. That's all good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm checking my notes. Hold on, one sec. Nerd. Good. Okay. Yes, yeah, I'm totally a nerd. Okay, so development: A Link to the Past was two names that are being very familiar to people who listened to us before, and one of them's my favorite. It's headed by Shigeru Miyamoto. Uh, producing And then Tass- uh, Takashi Tezuka. I will never say his name right. And I'll try. I-, I feel bad. I feel like I <laughs> feel Tezuka.
3: You <laughs> that, will, it will never say it right, Tezuka.
0: That's a promise. It's, like, it's okay. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and Tezuka will be over in my bed with a copy of Lost Levels. And he demand I play it or I die. It's like Saw, but Nintendo edition. Anyway, Te- Tezuka this did. what you
1: get for mispronouncing my name.
0: <laughs> uh, Forgiveness, please, Tezuka. But anyway, he's the one who did Lost Levels. He also did Mario Maker, and that's why I know his name so late, much lately, is I love Mario Maker. Um, he's a great director. And both him and Yamamoto were the, the heads of Link to the Past. And so when it came to this game, I mean, they already knew that the original Zelda Nintendo was well-received, but they wanted to have to do... They have to kind of step it up, do something greater for the new system, especially if this is going to be like a console seller or an early launch title. I mean, this game came out... I think this is the... Just after a year the console launched, 91 is when Zelda came out, was released. So they had to kind of do something new. The original Zelda was well known for its open world. Uh, The ability to purchase items from stores was pretty novel for the Nintendo. And the various usable items, and you collect it through all these maze-like dungeons. So they had to take on that and expand it. So they looked and kind of went back and said, well, what couldn't we do on Nintendo that we can now with the SNES? So they kind of, that's when they kind of looked into things they could do, like uh, more story, more plot, better music, right? The idea of having two separate worlds, the light world and the dark world, world is stuff that was not possible on the original Nintendo. So there's things like that they were looking at doing. One of the cool things I was reading about was they wanted to use more water, right, as an environmental uh, effect, how would you say, or gameplay effect. The original Zelda, there was one dungeon, I think it was seven, where you can get into the dungeon by basically draining the water from a pond, but it's Nintendo, right? There's only so much you can do. So it just changed the color of the ground texture so it was, uh, from water to grounds, and that's how they did it. it. wasn't very good. So when they saw that, they wanted to kind of expand on that Link to the Past, and Water and Link to the Past is all over the place, right? It's it's oh, yeah. a theme in one, the, one or two dungeons at the very least, plus it's part of the overworld, like the idea of swimming, I don't think Link to the Past had diving, but the idea of swimming, uh changing water, lowering water, all that's a major facet of Link to the Past. So it's something to kind of want to expand on.
1: I was gonna say it didn't have diving. I think it just had ducking to hide under the water from projectiles.
0: Was it? Because I don't Which was still pretty cool. Link's Awakening has diving, but it's the same idea. See, I can I confuse the two so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Link to the Past just had ducking. Ducking. But it was it was still a really cool idea of dodging projectile projectiles since you don't have your shield out. You can't just get out of the way so quick because the water movement is a little bit uh
0: sluggish. Well,
1: funky. (laughs) (laughs) Sluggish, sluggish, that's a good word for it. Well, plus
0: they also they put the Zora monsters, the the mermaid monsters in the water, and they're constantly popping up, shooting fireballs at you. And they're pain on the ground. Never mind when you're in the water. So it's glad there's some kind of defense, I guess, against that. So I mean there's other things they're looking at, adding as well. Uh one of them was the idea of fire. The original game had the candle, which you could burn bushes. Right? light up. I think you could light up uh, rooms with it as well, dark rooms. That's stuff they brought into Link to the Past. They wanted to do a bit more with it, though. Originally, they planned on developing it so that if you set a bush on fire, it would actually spread out to neighboring bushes and just fill the screen of fire. Wasn't able to do that on the Super Nintendo. Um, they were even trying to just get it down, limited to that. the big trees. You could burn the big trees down, but they just couldn't get it squeezed in there. In interviews, Miyamoto said if they had six more months of dev time, they probably could have figured it out. But it's kind of neat because that's the kind of mechanic that later came into Zelda Four Swords, which I'm sh- not sure if you guys ever played Zelda Four Swords before. Anybody?
2: I love Four Swords. Yeah, me and my brother both had it. But it was at Christmas time, we both got it. I think I got a copy for him, he got one for me, I think is how it worked. We, were, we, we both agreed on getting one for each other. And then we tried playing it, and then he was gone the next day, so I never actually got to experience it properly.
1: Okay, so... I'll say that I got to play the whole thing on Game Boy Advance. It was in the Link to the Past initially for Game Boy Advance. And that was a really cool adventure. I think it was, I got to play it three player. But then there's also the the actual Four Swords adventure on GameCube, which was such a cool idea. I loved it. It was, think Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, if it were Zelda instead. But then you could also screw with the other players, which often resulted in a lot of salt and not very long gameplay sessions. So you <laughs> didn't really get a whole lot of the game done that way,
2: unfortunately. You just described Bomberman on Super Nintendo for me. <laughs> it was much. there
1: was too much there was too much competitive aspect to a game that was supposed to be so heavily cooperative. And I think that was the game's downfall, but I still love the concept. And I, I want to beat that game so bad, and I don't know if I'll ever get the chance.
0: There's got to be a way we can do it online. has to be. Because I, I played that as well with friends. Uh, I don't know if I ever finished it, though. But it's one of the reasons why I love couch co-op games these days, like, you know, uh, Overcooked and, and whatnot. Because just that same feeling for me, right? Four people on screen messing with each other. You're supposed to be doing a co-op game, but it never goes that way. <laughs> um, but while we're on the topic, actually, real quick. So the Game GameCube, GameCube, Four Swords, is that different from the 3ds one i thought they were the same thing
1: mm, the 3ds one are you talking about uh game boy Advance. Tri- oh, sorry, Force game boy Advance.
0: sorry uh the...
1: oh no they're very different games the uh the game the gamecube game is a fully fledged full fleshed out it's its own adventure um you play it if you're playing multiplayer you got to play it with gba's
0: right. that's what i had to do
1: and it was so cool because every time somebody goes into underground or something, you gotta switch and look at your GBA and play there. And then you go back to the overworld and then everybody's on the same map again. And it it did a lot of really cool stuff that was way ahead of its time. And I would love to see a Zelda game do that sort of thing again. It's just maybe with a more accessible control scheme.
0: Yeah, well I mean that's the thing, right? Nintendo loves they just love their hardware, right? They're always trying to find new and interesting ways to do the hardware that will cost you a lot of money, <laughs> right? That goes back to like the Wii as well, right? The Wii and the multiple Wii remotes and and just...
1: <coughs> Power glove. Know, or the, yeah,
0: or the or the... <laughs> I saw somebody using the U-Force a couple months ago. That was another trip. Just so many control options that are bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a lot of fun though. I, what I played of it was really great. Uh, I, I would love to play it again, actually. Uh, okay, so I guess I just want to talk a little bit about Link to the Past itself, right? I mean, this is the topic of the episode. And, I, like, I, it's hard for me because I do love everything about this game, right? I love how there's a, actually a story to it. I love how it's, you know, the tale of a, of a, an evil wizard who's trying to break a seal to another dimension and bring about Ganon, right? Stealing uh, sages and maidens. I think it's a fantastic story. Uh, I love the music, I love the graphics. So I love everything about this game. So it's kind of hard for me to, like, narrow it down. So I'm going to rely on you guys to tell me something about the game that you love, and we'll kind of go with it. Uh, GP, do you actually want to start? Because we were talking about music earlier.
3: Well, yeah, I think the music is fantastic. Um, One of the things, because for for context, I just did my very first playthrough of this. Um, Actually, it was more of a blind run earlier this year in, like, February of 2019. So, I was brand new to the experience, and so many people have hyped up Link to the Past. I, i I really felt bad for not loving it more until the end. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it until, you know, the credits were scrolling and I'm like, oh shit, there's no more. I, I'm not ready to be done with it. Um, but immediately the things that stood out to me, you know, the the more uh, crystal clear, you know, expanded musical tones that they carried over from the older games, but also the, uh, the clarity of the graphics and the smoothness more than anything. I, I think... Smoothness of gameplay is not something that you really associate with the original two Zeldas, and uh, right. to really see it kind of—I um, don't want to say perfected, but you know—taken to a whole new level. Uh, it's such a smooth game and and just beautiful. There are a couple of things I still take issue with on that game, but on the whole, what a what a fun um, experience. And uh, I, my only regret was that I waited 35 years uh, to play it.
0: Yeah, it's such a great game. The music is just iconic for me. Like there's a handful of, of composers I think are just great for video games as a whole, and uh Koji Kondo is one of them. He's the one who did like the past, but he's also well known for the Mario series as well.
3: Oh, well no, I I just I was pissed off because the beeping will not stop. I suck at the game, so I heard I heard more oh. beeping than <laughs> I heard music.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that beeping sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm still And that's like about in them. all of them too.
1: Yeah, that's that's a sound that needs to start getting an option.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so we'll get to it in a little bit, but the the idea of Zelda randomizers actually have that option. But anyway, before we go into that, the music Koji Kondo. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Oh, why didn't you tell me that? Now I
2: have to play it. Oh. Yeah. Now you have to play. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, now I got to start over. <laughs> That is worth starting over for me, okay? I'm just saying, I'm that bad at the game.
0: What, the randomizers?
2: Actually, no, I can't say anything. Yeah, the randomizer. I was playing it as research for this, and actually, no, I I shouldn't complain about it because the seed that I got for the randomizer, I had like all but four hearts, and I only (laughs) ended up beating like one dungeon, I think it was. Yeah, (laughs) so
0: it actually has an option to make the beep, like quarter beep, so it's less frequent. I think you can change it even less than that, or you can just turn it off entirely. But if you're used to playing the games and you're used to that whoop, 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 and you're going to die, when you turn it off and you're playing with three hearts and you're fighting a boss, you don't even notice you're at one half health or whatever, and you die very easily. <laughs> it, don't worry, that happens to me. Yeah, anyway. I
3: die very oh. easily no matter what.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. early on in Zelda games, is always rough, right? Until you find that, you know, the first few heart pieces to kind of even things out, the beginnings are actually very tough.
3: Do heart pieces give you more life? That's how bad I am at the game. I don't even know.
0: (laughs) If you if you want a trip, watch a streamer do a uh, a three heart run of any of the Zelda games. I've seen a few people do that actually, and it just I thought I was good at some of these, but no, these people are masters at it. It's insane.
1: I think that would just make me sad.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'd just be like, no. So I was I was. I'm
2: never
1: playing Zelda again.
3: (laughs) I don't know. I the reason I people say that they're like I don't like watching masters of games because it makes me sad. And I think I'll watch ice skating, but I don't kick myself in the ass for not being a master ice skater.
2: Well, you're doing it wrong. Come on.
3: Well, it's mostly an issue with the uh the costumes. I don't look that good in dresses.
2: But uh Yeah. This is true. I have seen you in dresses, so uh but back to the <laughs> game. To bring it Sorry, back yeah.
1: around to Jake's question from earlier. I guess I'll take the answer next. Sure. Um <laughs> my favorite aspect of this was the fact that it had two overworlds.
0: Yes. Darker light
1: when I first played it back in I think did it come out in 91 91 yeah I I probably played it in 92 because I don't think I had a Super Nintendo that first year man that second overworld all of a sudden just there's a whole nother world in the game it just blew my mind I was like what is this this is amazing I was one of those kids who did spend most of his time indoors playing games I had a tv in my bedroom I had all sorts of stuff. So when it was that, like, that's not to say I didn't go out and ride my bike all the time and stuff like that, because I did that too. But if it was cold or I didn't want to go outside, I, I could game. My friends could come over and hang out with me and we could just play in my room. And this is a game I spent hours on. I played the crap out of it. I beat it once. I beat it twice. I probably beat it six or seven times in the first two years of owning it. And it was so much fun. This is a game that friends and I would sit and watch each other play. And we were doing, we were doing the Twitch thing well before Twitch was a twinkle in someone's eye.
0: <laughs> you were watching <laughs> somebody through a window.
1: Sitting in... and...
3: <laughs> it would have been much better to be able to ban people back then, too, huh? <laughs> damn it. Get out yeah, of my damn house. Larry. it, Larry. Go, go change your name and come back later.
1: Go home, John. John. You're pissing me off. You know John. I knew a few of them. I knew a few Johns. I knew a few Jimmys. We all hung out. It was weird. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not a joke.
3: (laughs) Before I forget, I have to ask you, Werewolf, I have to ask you a question about everything you were just saying that you loved. Because earlier when you were talking all that mess on Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, about the, the no one told you to look under a table, that was my main issue with Link to the Past. There's so many things that there is no indication that you should look under there or move that. Like, the bombable walls are the closest thing you get to hints. Other than that, you know, move this tombstone, pick up this tree. Like, how, how are you supposed to know that stuff? So I feel like your, your thing about that with Zelda 2 is a good point. But I want you to address how is that okay for Link to the Past? Because that's where all of my salt for that game came from.
1: See, I don't know. I just kind of knew that certain things could be moved. You know, you can move blocks. You start messing with stuff. I do think Sahasrila might have had a lot of clues hidden on the walls and dungeons and around the world and whatnot.
2: So So that
1: might have explained it. I don't know. I, 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 it's been so long since I've played the game proper. I can't guarantee that Sarah Sally said everything you needed to know. (laughs) Look,
0: Sarasota was a sage, all right? Some respect, please.
1: Some respect.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Sir (laughs) Sarasali. Sir (laughs) Sarasali. So, I mean, there was also some stuff listed into the 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 manual, too, so...
1: That's true. And then if you really got stuck, there was that little hint guide that came with the game, too. I still have it. Oh,
2: yeah. That That little, like, fold-out, the black and white fold-out.
1: Yeah, a little two-by-three fold-out pamphlet.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay.
3: Well, all that's fair. I guess if, if you grew up with the game and you had a, a tablet or something like that telling you what to do, that makes more sense. Thank you.
1: Tablet? That little booklet, though, it was sealed when you got it, and it made sure to let you know you know, only open if you get really stuck.
2: Yeah. And you opened it in, like, the the first or second dungeon because you didn't know what was going on. You ne- You never forget it, but
3: well, it's just like the table, yeah. Now you know <laughs> how to look under the table,
0: right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing with Zelda. Zelda's all about rewarding exploration, right? And the idea of bombable walls almost didn't make it into the game. So in the original Zelda, you could you know bomb walls, but they weren't distinguished. You know, I think the only way you could tell in the original was with the sound of the no- that it made when you hit your sword against the wall. I think that was the thing. And they have that in Link to the Past, but um, Miyamoto experimented with. You know, having the ability to bomb walls, because he found that was very rewarding to players if they actually took the time to explore a dungeon and for secrets. But then he realized with the original, you know, the problem is it was too easy to miss, you know, some of the rooms that could be there. So if you didn't know to look for the rooms, you'd be kind of missing out on some of the content. So that's why he kind of stuck with the idea of bombable cracked walls. So it makes it a little more visible to what you're doing. But there's some stuff that, like Wolf mentioned, sometimes you just know you need to do something in a room. Like, when you're playing a Zelda game and there's, like, five blocks standing on their own, you just know you're going to push one of them. It's just one of those things that kind of ingrain on you early on with the gameplay.
1: Yeah, or if there's a key door in a room and there's just a bunch of enemies and nothing to do, probably kill all the enemies and they'll drop a key. Something like that.
0: But, like, it's definitely a game that doesn't necessarily hold your hands. Or one your hands that's a thing anyway, but you definitely a game where you have to explore i guess to to kind of get the most out of it there's items you can miss i think in that game as well uh you don't necessarily need all the items to finish the game which i think is amazing uh Paul how about you yeah well yeah there's the invisible cape is one of the items
1: oh yeah there's the cane the cape yeah okay or at least
0: a few
2: yeah I found the magic cape by mistake I remember that and I was really proud of myself because neither of my brothers did it so you know, when there's a 10-year gap between you and your older brothers and you do something they didn't, <laughs> it's bragging time.
1: <laughs> I I got a little of that from my little brother from time to time. With certain things. <laughs>
2: I've seen him do that still. No, <laughs> um, no I've, I remember loving the game because Zelda 2 was probably one of my favorite NES games because it was one of the few I had. Like, I remember when Super Nintendo came out, we had... Probably half a dozen actual games. We rented most of the games, so if I got a game, it was usually for birthday or Christmas gift, and that was it. And I mean, Christmas gift, we're talking Sears Wish Book. You know, there's a lot of stuff besides video games you had to get your hands on. So, so there's a lot of rentals I got. And so when I actually owned Zelda Two on NES, I think I got it at a yard sale with a bunch of others like Simon's Quest, um, Pro Wrestling, and something else. Anyways, it was instantly because i owned it it's my favorite (laughs) and then i played it extra and i was like this is better than i remembered and you know there's only like two years i was probably like 11 years old or something but uh because of that i was like instantly a fan of link to the past and when i played it this is good this is good this gets better we're getting stuck and getting lost and ripping open that cheat sheet you know that cheat sheet never basically folded up again because it was always just left out there's no way you stopped it. <laughs> you needed it every time. And you wished it was like pages and pages longer. Um, but it was just really fun because it felt like a Zelda game for some reason, even though the only one I actually had experience with was Zelda 2. Never played the first one at this point. And then the, this one came out. I played, I was like, okay, cool. Played Link's Awakening not long after it came out. I'm just like, this is great. And I remember buying it for $25 because it was like, not a Greatest Hits version. It wasn't quite... They didn't have the Greatest Hits kind of thing or the Game of the Year, whatever they called it back then. But it was probably around... I'd say 97, 96, something like that. And I found a copy for... Or could have been earlier than that, actually. But I remember finding a copy at Walmart for $25. And I was just begging my dad, can I get it, can I get it? <laughs> <laughs> and I managed to get it, and so then I fell in love with it again. So it was, it was just held a fond place in my heart i i don't care for it as much now but back then it it just blew me away because it was just such a good game
0: yeah for me i think it's it's the influence it's had on the rest of the series is what i think draws me to liking it still even today like to go back to the music for a minute oh go ahead
2: oh no i was gonna agree i mean that's that's i think what makes me feel so good about it is how much of an influence it is on games in the future because there's not a lot of game Like, it's not in my top 10 anymore, which is saying something, because this is still a damn good game. The influence it had on future gaming, I th- I think it's, it's crazy. <laughs> like, direct or indirect, it's it's there.
0: Well, like, the idea of the music even alone. It, it, I mean, some of the themes that are famous throughout the franchise, things like Zelda's lullaby, uh, or Gandorf's theme, or Hyrule Castle, you hear bits and pieces of those themes in every Zelda game, up to the Breath of the Wild, even. So, like, the, the music from this game is pretty much through and through their entire series. And, I mean, the idea of the spin slash and then, you know, the various items and stuff, there's there's a boomerang, there's a hookshot, and various sequels to the franchise, they're all kind of used in slightly different ways, especially in the 3D Zeldas, but it all kind of comes back to Link to the Past as being the origin of a lot of that stuff. I mean, the, the original Nintendo Zelda, I like it, it's great, but I think it's really just kind of cemented the idea of an open world exploration and dungeons. But it was Link to the Past that broke out into the idea of all these very unique items and collectibles that really aided in exploring things, right? When we talk about Metrovanias, I think Link to the Past kind of belongs as part of the, I don't know what do you call it, the makeup or history of that kind of genre is part of Link to the Past as well. It's very much like uh, Metroid, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's like more of a kind of top-down version of it as opposed to just like straight up platformer, right but it has the same elements to it which i think that's probably what appeals to me still is because it has that that certain path you have to take and there's shortcuts you can do there's stuff you can go for extras but you
0: know there's a there's a set path and there's a reason behind it well and so like i mean it's not your top 10 for me it's probably my top three if you ask me what my top three super nintendo games are it changes every month on it to be fair but Link to, the pa- Link to the Past is, is always in the top three. I really love that game quite a bit, especially for the Super Nintendo. Um, again, I haven't played as many of the SNES games as other people have, but this one is great. I love this, better I think Mario World is like an eight for me. Link to the Past is like a two or three, if not higher. It's great.
2: And considering how much you like the Mario games, it's, that's not... Oh, yeah, I, I love Zmima Mario. <laughs> and honestly, I think
3: um, culturally in the, in the history of gaming, the impact of Link to the Past is pretty undeniable um, to the point that even, even if you don't like the game, you have to be able to say, well, yeah, this is this is culturally significant um, in in the gamer universe. Right, exactly. You know what?
1: That's that's actually, I think, my brother's position on the franchise is most Zelda games he's not into, but he re- he like understands why people are into them, but they're not for him. Granted, right now he's going through the new Link's Awakening and loving it, so I don't know. Maybe that'll rekindle something in him. But yeah, he's he's not been a Zelda fan for most of his life.
0: Interesting. If he loves Link's Awakening, then he'll he should like Link to the Past. I mean, I, I think Link's Awakening is probably a better game that remake is pretty good too, but links to the past is pretty much the same thing. But it's also for me, it's a, it's a game that I think is very timeless. We've mentioned before that SNES games or 16 bit era era for me will always look great, right? As, as nice as 3d graphics are, I can still sit down and play an old school 16 bit game and love it. Sometimes Nintendo has that, but for me, it's always been 16 bit and Zelda's a game. I still play today. I play it quite often, but once you've kind of found all the secrets and you've, you know, you've mastered the route through the dungeons link to the past, you know, it's not so fun to play anymore, at least in its current state. So let's go back a couple of years ago. I don't know if you guys fell for it. There's this huge fad of roguelike games. You know, raise your hand if you played a roguelike, right? Rogue Legacy was one. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Everybody's playing these things. Rogue
1: Legacy, Binding of Isaac, the list goes on.
0: Binding of Isaac is very clearly influenced by Zelda, right? It's like Smash TV plus Zelda. Oh, yeah. So the the idea of uh, procedural games is really popular. And then the idea of ROM hacking or modding of old games has been around for a decade or more, right? And there's a lot of people who do amazing stuff with ROMs. There's a few notable ROM hacks for Link to the Past, even. There's one called Parallel Worlds. It might as well be the unofficial sequel to Link to the Past. It's such a fantastic ROM hack. It's practically a brand new game. It's amazing. But what's really got me about, about a year and a half ago now is a group of folks had put together basically a randomizer. What they've done is they found a way to take the ROMs code and scramble various things to randomize it. I guess that's the name of why they call it randomizers. But they would take all the items in the game. And they would spread them around, right? So you wouldn't necessarily get a sword from your uncle in the first part of the you know, castle dungeon. Maybe you'll get a boomerang. Maybe you'll get, you know, fucked and get five rupees, right? It was completely random. But the way that was ingenious about it is they would scramble the items, but they would put in logic to prevent you from getting screwed when you're going through the dungeons because Link to the Past requires certain items in certain parts of the game. So they kind of adjusted the game's code and logic to account for that. So Link to the Past... And randomizers has been a huge thing for me for the last year and a half. It's one of my favorite things to do when I have free time is to play a round of Zelda randomizer. It's at the point now where I can usually beat one in under four hours, which I'm pretty proud of because I can beat Link to the Past Vanilla in usually two and a half if I'm feeling good. So the randomizer to me just brings this fresh of air to a game that I used to love as a kid and now I love it even more now because I also love roguelikes. I think they're great. The idea of procedural content in games has always been fascinating to me. Like, I'm a big fan of Minecraft, but my issue with Minecraft was not of Zelda-like influences in it, right? You had swords in Minecraft, but you didn't have dungeons, really. I mean, you had kind of dungeons. You didn't really have fun combat, but you had this great exploration element. I always wished that it had Zelda-like elements. Zelda randomizer may not be Minecraft, but it has everything I want, so the randomizer is great. So the recent additions, actually, they recently changed a bit, so now you have boss shuffling. So the bosses even change. Sometimes they can duplicate, sometimes they won't. I mean, they added impal changes so the dungeons can look different now. They added various characters for you to be as, is a cosmetic thing. Probably important to polish. So they got rid of the, the heart beeping, right? It, there's a lot of options built on the Randomizer <laughs> website. That's just fantastic to check out. Um, I asked you guys for the podcast to maybe just do a round or two of the round uh, the Randomizer to see how it is. Uh, Pulse, you want to start? Because I know you started a Randomizer probably before I did, actually. I
2: was probably spending just as much time trying to get the ROM hack to work because I'm Tekkenept. But uh, once I fucking got it going, I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna give this a shot. I've seen a lot of friends playing it before, and I was like, okay, cool. The game's kind of getting old for me. I'm just kind of sick of it. I-, I called it the Mega Man 2 Syndrome at first, because it's just like, everybody was playing a randomizer. I never saw any, like, uh, the first time I played the game on stream, people were like, oh, it's, n- it's-, it's nice to see someone actually playing the vanilla version. I was like, cool, okay, right on. Welcome. <laughs> but, uh, the only time I've ever seen people playing randomizers up until now was watching people race each other or, you know, do PBs and stuff like it was speedrunners basically and ones that were that knew the game inside and out, which is amazing. But it's just not for me. So uh, I just I guess because of that I kind of had this automatic bias towards it. I'm like, okay, I don't don't like it. You know, it's not for me. But when I tried it, I mean, I like the original game. It's, it's nothing wrong with it. It's it's a great game, but just trying in the excitement of actually trying to think your way through it because, oh, I don't have a sword. I didn't have a sword for the first, like, 45, 50 minutes. And I was like, I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and everybody in chat was watching me play it, and they were like, oh my god, oh, you got a hammer, thank god, you know? like <laughs> So there was this kind of uh, tension that that wasn't there since I first played the game, and that was kind of cool because it was like playing the game, you had similar feelings of playing the game for the first time, but Still being familiar enough with it that it, you know, it it hit the nostalgia button for you. So I got to say, I was very, very impressed with how much fun it actually was when I finally tried it.
0: Yeah, like the highs and lows are fantastic when you're playing that. Like, you you have 200 rupees, you know you need to go to King Zora to get the flippers. But in a randomizer, you don't know what you're going to get. And I think every time I played one, I almost never get something useful from Zora. It's almost always something stupid like arrows, five rupees a cane, something I don't want, and it always curses name when I get to him, every single time.
2: Yeah, I lucked out, because I got the flippers. It was like one of the first three things I've gotten. And then, so I was running around trying to kill things with pots. Yeah. Because (laughs) pots, pots and bushes, because I couldn't actually swing at them with anything, and then I ran out of bombs. So I had bombs and something else. And I'm still in the same game. I'm still trying to get the damn lantern, so I'm kind of stuck. So I think right now I have to just find my way
0: in the dark, and I'm kind of scared too. Yeah, I think, Wolf, when I watched you play a little bit, I think you were stuck with the lamp as well, trying to find one.
1: Okay, so <laughs> I tra- I played two randomizers this week. The first one was just the Link to the Past randomizer, and right up front, it was giving me awesome item after awesome item. Like, I had the Master Sword before I even made it into a dungeon. <laughs> It was Uh, that crazy. I had the hammer. I had the hooks. Like, I had all sorts of stuff. What I, what the game just would not give me was that lantern. So it, it kept, it keeps cutting me off from various paths within dungeons. So I can only do so much because I can't do anything without the lantern. I have no book. I have no lantern. I'm I'm hosed as far as getting into dungeons <laughs> and getting through them.
2: It's just speaking of which, he's not the Canadian one in here, by the way. But <laughs> it's buddies.
1: pretty much off the table for me with that stuff. So today I decided to try for the first time the Super Metroid link to the past randomizer because both games I'm very familiar with. It's been a long time for both of them, but I I've played the crap out of them numerous times.
0: Can you explain how they actually what they actually do? like the randomizer for that
1: yeah so it puts items from both games in either game and there are points within both the zelda world and the metroid world where passing through a doorway will take you from one game to the other you know samus can find upgrades for samus or she can find upgrades for link or items for link or whatever same with link out in hyrule you can find items for Samus. And so it's, it can be frustrating, <laughs> especially since with my experience, let's, let's, this one was less kind to me. Let's, let's start with that. I was super excited right off the bat. You know, it starts you in Metroid, it starts you in Super Metroid. So I jump into the game, run around on Zebus for about, I don't know, five minutes. You call Can't it? do anything. And then Zebes. To,
2: I know. It's Zebes, it's Was it Zebes? No, I know, no, no, I just call it Zebes because Zebes doesn't sound right to me still. Even someone
1: though. told us, I, I want to say it was Aaron Eric, someone told yeah. us how to pronounce it properly because of other M pronounced it.
2: Yeah, and I forget what it is.
1: Yeah, it was, I went to go through a door and all of a sudden, boom, I walk out of a house in Hyrule is Link. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'll start exploring all sorts of stuff here. I know this world. I know there's a ton of treasure chests I can get, even with nothing, because you have no sword, you have no nothing when you start the game. I start running around. It probably took me about... It looks like there's a problem. Shut up, Google. It probably took me about... It probably took me about two hours to even find the Morph Ball after getting to Link. So I was reaching for straws, trying to look everywhere I could, and I think I probably found the last chest I could obtain with the items I had that was finally the Morph Ball. And then I could run over into play as Samus again, got to do a whole bunch of stuff there, ended up getting my way to Norfair, Struggling my way to Norfair, let's be honest, because I didn't have a whole lot of health <laughs> with her. She, I, she, I got no health upgrades for Samus. Finally, get to Norfair, went through a door. Boom, I'm back in Hyrule on Death Mountain. I was like, yes, OK, I can do more stuff. And again, I'm still Link running around without a sword. I'm killing things <laughs> with the hookshot or bombs. That's all I've got to kill things. And most things don't die from the hookshot. They just get stud. So I it was a mess. <laughs> After three and a half hours of gameplay, I finally found a sword for Link.
2: Three? Oh, okay. I don't feel bad about my 50 minutes now.
0: No, it can get it bad. Was,
1: and then I had to call it for the day. But that was... <laughs> <laughs> I will be going back to that one because now it's now it's like I have to. It's a challenge that has been accepted.
0: Yeah. It, the first time I did that, I've only been it like twice. And it usually takes me around 15, 16 hours. It's, but I'm also, I love Super Metroid, but I don't know where all the hidden stuff is. Whereas Zelda, I know very well. But the few things I'm probably missing in Zelda and Super Nintendo or Super Metroid is probably what screws me through those randomizers. But it's really fun.
1: But that randomizer playing it is really what has settled it in my mind that, yeah, Metroid and Zelda are a lot more alike than I
0: think
2: people realize.
0: Thats same about the metrovania as a as a genre like the two games are very very similar in that regard it's great
2: yeah I never realized until recently actually how similar those games actually are so but first I'm like what the hell are you getting on with you know combining those two games they couldn't be more different now I'm like okay I dig it I'm scared to play it but I dig it
0: <laughs> I do love Wolf how you got screwed but the two Hardest uh, The two deal-breaker game uh, items in those games is the Morph Ball and the Lamp. If you don't have those, those games become very difficult to get through.
1: Speaking of which, I still have no Lamp in that <laughs> Super Metroid Zelda <laughs> randomizer. So...
0: so they do let you do a, a few, I don't want to call them speed tricks, but there's a few glitches you can do to get through certain parts or even just tricks. Like for A length to the Past, there are people who memorize the layouts of the dark rooms so you can get through them. I'm not one of them. Uh, the game's coded so you don't need to do that. There's a lamp somewhere, <laughs> but I've seen people just skip it by going through the dark rooms. Um, and then for Super Metroid, uh, lava diving is probably the big one, right? Because there's you need the fire, the var- varia suit, varia suit. however you we say that? The pressure against the lava damage. Yeah, so that's you, you do need it in Super Metroid. But there's a couple rooms where if you have enough health, you can still dip in the lava to proceed and get what you want and come back out. And that can actually give you a bit of a shortcut in certain circumstances. Again, they, they code it so you don't need to do that. But it's helpful if you kind of do those kind of tricks.
1: However, I feel like this can be a very dangerous, slippery slope for me. I think I'm going to start probably spending more time playing these randomizers. And now I'm interested.
0: Well, I made the mistake. We'll see how I Uh-oh. feel after I beat one.
1: <laughs> but yeah. Is this as of it? right now... I'm I'm totally enticed by the the idea. I made mean, the
0: mistake of doing a randomizer race, and the two other guys I was racing against kicked my ass because they were doing the dark route, the dark rooms with the lamp because they knew the layouts because they were that good, and it was, it was hilarious to play. Mm. But I think GP, you also watched a few Zelda races, randomizer racers. What do you think?
3: Well, I I watched them wanting to kind of do the homework, as we say, or do the research before playing. ...a randomizer, because I know everybody else was playing him this week to do the research. But again, having only played each game, uh, Link to the Past and uh, Super Metroid, once and earlier this year... I, ...I quickly realized I'm not going to be playing those randomizers... ...because I don't really know either of the games well enough to be able to formulate strategies. So the first video that I watched, that was the dual game randomizer... At first, I'm like, this is going to suck because the guys who were racing actually, it was a race, first thing they found were or or got were silver arrows. So not being familiar with the game um, or randomized or something, oh, this is just a new way to cheese these games. But it was almost like the commentator was directly talking to me and my psyche because he goes, that's a great item. But it's not worth shit if you don't have the bow and arrow. And you can't do anything without a sword or the morph ball. And I'm like, oh my god, I've completely underestimated what this is. And so I was,
1: I was hooked
3: um, between minutes five and six. Uh, and, and it hit me like a brick wall. So I think in time, I may try to go and learn the vanilla versions so that I could do a randomizer. But I'm, I feel like I'm still so far off because... The guys playing, you know, as they're getting items in their mind, you can just tell, okay, what can I go do now? What can I cannot, you know, what can't I go do now? And the commentators as well are saying, I think they're going to go to Lower Norfair. And I'm like, I don't even know which game that's from. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> so you've got to know your shit, and I'm th- I'm sitting here thinking: Is there a Mario randomizer? Is there a you know? Is there, there a is. contra randomizer I can try first? So I'm there I'm is. just dipping my toes into the shallow end of the randomizer pool. Um, I can tell you the one thing I wish they had already: fast forward button.
2: Don't don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that was a horrible joke, and I don't mean that. But, uh, but no, I, I, like I said, I, I completely underestimated how much I thought I would like it. It did give me an appreciation for how little I know about these games, but that did not make the experience of watching the races any less fun.
0: Yeah, a good color commentator makes all the difference for watching a speedrunner race, uh, especially with the randomizers, because if they know the ins and outs and they explain things, it's like watching a basketball game or, for me, a football game. I know jack about football. But if the commentator can explain what's going on in a colorful way, it's it's all the difference. Oh,
3: yeah. If the if the video was on mute, I wouldn't have lasted 20 minutes. But um, being pulled in and, and watching how the two different guys, because they're playing the same – randomizer, like all the locations are the same thing for each racer, but um, the way in which they strategize in their head ensures that they just route it differently even though they have, you know, because they don't know where stuff's at, but it was incredibly enthralling and entertaining and like I said, I I wish I had had more experience with both those games so I, you know I I would be able to to do them, but we'll get there in time
1: I want to say it was summer of 2018 that I When I was doing laundry, cleaning the house, whatever, I would put on those Zelda races because they had a huge tournament that lasted a couple weeks. Oh, man, those were so cool to watch to just check in on them while I was doing stuff around the house, folding laundry, whatever. And, you know, I'm folding three different people's laundry while sorting them and all that. So it's given me something to do while I'm just folding clothes, hanging them up, whatever. It is so cool to just see how they play so differently. I watched so many races. It's ridiculous. And these people were like, you'd hear the commentator like, well, this guy's made the choice to go here and this guy's made the choice to go there. And that's a big gamble. But if it pays off, it'll be huge. And, you know, you see him take that chance and all of a sudden, boom, he's way ahead of the first guy because he took that gamble. It's ridiculous just to see these strategies play out.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a competitive Sudoku, right? It's or competitive crossword. It's like a logic puzzle that people are figuring out as quickly as possible, but far more exciting, right? Yeah, too terrible math to even do a regular
2: Sudoku thing. <laughs> I didn't
0: know how to say it. But you know, I was bad at randomizers in the beginning too. It took me forever to beat my first Plain Zelda one, and the Zelda Metroid crossover one. I still struggle with half the time. But GP, you're saying that you didn't want to try the randomizers because you know. You've only played each game once and you don't know where everything is. On the one hand, though, that can be fun as well because that comes back to the thing that makes the series great, which is exploration, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Playing the Zelda Metroid one especially, it's a whole double world out there of just exploring, right? If you finish it or not, maybe, <laughs> but it's fun just <laughs> playing it and trying to explore the various nooks and crannies for the items and see how they fit together. And I think it's, it's great, even if you're not familiar with the base games. Okay.
1: There's also the different tiers you can set the randomizer to where it's not throwing all the rupees around and everything, if it just swaps the items, you know. Or something like that. You can you can make it less crazy. See, that's
3: the thing. I don't want to I don't want to go training wheels. And I I know that's 100% 100% <laughs> ego. Warpless. Right, yeah. No. <laughs> but but I, I do like I that's the thing is by the time I I it, I want to be knowledgeable and I, I get what you're saying sick jake and maybe maybe that's enough to change my mind and just dive in instead of like i said wade in the shallow waters but uh pretty pretty much my only my only confidence with that that set of two games is that i could properly identify which item goes in which world and beyond that i i really it, it just seems like such a massive undertaking
0: it's still it's still one of my most favorite things in recent years I've always loved retro games, even even now in the current next-gen systems. I still like going back to the 16-bit era, but to see people so passionately about randomizers and like ROM hacking and, and just bringing a new life to these games, I think it's just fantastic. Well,
3: and you, you kind of said something like that earlier, which is what gives me the, the field goods um, and lets me know that retro will always be around, and that is people are coming up with new ways to play the old games. And so long as we have things like that, I mean, retro, there's no reason for it to die out.
0: That's a good final thought. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, I think we're hitting our time.
3: I'm like, I, yeah. Did I just peak? <laughs> I peaked. I peeked on air. <laughs> Dude.
2: Whoa. Not again. Did you wash your hands this time?
3: Nope. Okay. <laughs> I see no reason. It's a good time to end it. <laughs> With a sense of pride, too. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Emphatic nope. Why would I start now? I mean, come on.
0: All right, folks. Well, GP, we'll start with you. Where can folks find you?
3: Yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> no, uh, other than press B to cancel. Here I, uh, I had to go from the peak of my, my prowess with my thoughts to the, the lowest of the trough. So there we go. Uh, no, other than press B to cancel, you can find me on The Retro Therapy, which is on uh, Twitch, Twitter. We got YouTube. We got Instagram. All the classics. But yeah, The Retro Therapy.
0: And Paul, how you? Where can folks find you?
2: Well, GP's still my answer, because I was seriously about saying, you can find me right here. <laughs> now, now I have now, nothing witty to we, say, so you can find me here and uh, sometimes on Twitch. <laughs> we can do
3: that in post. You can you can answer first. It'll be fine.
0: No, that's too much trouble now. <laughs> uh, I, I have a feeling this episode will need a lot of editing. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay.
3: <laughs> well, mostly just because of Discord. I think Discord's... <laughs> yes. Whatever.
0: We'll just we'll just play it all on Discord. Werewolf, how can people find you?
1: Uh I can be found again here and on Twitter and Twitch at werewolf W A R E W U L F F
2: sounds like a radio station.
1: W-H-R-E. It's, it's a cute <laughs> NES cartridge with a wolf. Like as a wolf.
0: And we're coming at you live here on Radio Press B to Cancel. You've been listening to us right here. And my name is Sick Jake. You can find me on Twitter or sometimes on Twitch like Pulse. And you've been listening to Press B to Cancel. Special thanks for music. Go to Arthur the Ancient, found on SoundCloud, or The Last Ancient on YouTube. For more episodes, please visit our website, pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been...
1: Chris